do something a little bit different today. No? It was hard to learn this parak of Eretz Chayfes and not to, not the book of flight to as well. And a couple of people shared with me their feelings about how you know, we learned this and it's very hard. It, it hurts. Other things in Torah that we learn, we always try at least, or we imagine, we hope that it will be Amanaz Lasa. You know, when we learn something in Halacha, we, we, we try to become more careful. When we learn something in in Avodah, we try to adjust our lives and, and we try to live according, at least some in some way, to live according to what we're learning. This last parak, parak Dalit, that we finished in Eretz Chayfetz, on the difference between, on the relationship between Chutzlar and Eretz Yisrael, has been very hard for us because the whole parak is about this contrast between Chutzlaritz and Yisrael, and and it's, and we're at a loss of how to accomplish this. You know that it should be almanas lasays. Each person, in his or her own way in life, especially the last seif that we learned, last day of Shabbos, from the Iris Hatria Rav Cook. Rav Cook said that Yesh Kitzba Kamakach Yesh Bechazain Lev Ze Lasis Lasis Masachai. There's a limit to how far, or there's a limit to how long we can go on imagining Ertisel, dreaming of it, and thinking about it. How much longer will that be able to keep us in Chutzlars, to keep us warm as Jews? It's been such a long time. And how much longer, and Rav Cook says there's a Kitzba. There's a limit. And he says, And he says, It seems to him, at the time that he was saying this, it seems to him that we had already, we had already reached this limit where it's very hard to continue going on, making this connection between Chutzlaret and Etzisel real and alive, so that we'd be able to continue with the Chazon Halev of being there while we're not there. So, there was a Torah that I saw in the Sefer from the from the Klosenberg exclusive and now it might seem that that's a very big journey to take from Rav Kook to the to Klosenberg. It's not because these two tzaddikim had a great deal in common. And I saw this just a Torah that I was looking in the Sefer of Parshas Yisro. I had recalled seeing this last year when I decided that we're going to, when it came time to finish the parak and I was to move on. I decided that I didn't want to move on without first without first seeing this from the Klosenberg. Because one might think that this that this feeling of 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 Rav Kook is something that's uniquely Rav Kook. And and Ke'ilu, the other Gudele Hatayra, especially those who who in many ways were far from the from that Avira of Rav Kook in Ejisel and the Talmud of Rav Kook and his son and so on, that they weren't on fire and they weren't filled with the same longing. So 
So there was this Torah that I saw that made a very big Rishim on me, and let's learn it as a way of crossing over from Paragdal from Parakeh. So if you didn't feel bad at the end of Paragdal, this for sure is going to make you feel miserable. Uh, okay. We're see, you see where it says ki, ki, on the right side, ki Omar Ger Hayisi on the bottom, on the right side. The last Torah on the bottom, ki Ger Hayisi. You see, I was excited. I made two exclamation points. And, <laughs> Okay, there was something that this uh, that this Jew, this this Alexander Chassid wrote in his uh, Sefer, which I guess contains some of his memoirs from the war and so on, and after the war. So this Jew, Rabbi David Yehuda Crystal, wrote in his Sefer Michtam David that after the Holocaust, the, the terrible Holocaust, that we went through in Europe, that we went through in Europe, he says that he ended up, as quite a few Jews did, he ended up in Mexico. And he tried, he said, he tried to work on building up the kehillah of Jews. Many Jews, Sheir Saplate, for that time, after the war, they spent some years in Mexico. Many of them remained and have children, grandchildren. Many B'nai Torah that live in Mexico. To work on improving the spiritual and religious life over there in Mexico. In the shul that they had over there, Eitzchayim, and particularly in the yeshiva that he says I established called Or Yisrael. He said we were in Mexico to. Uh, to have the Klosenberger Rebbe visit us. Echad Miman Higa Chasidus, one of the great leaders of Chasidus. Ud Mutzal Me'esh. He was a he was saved from the fire. A Torvus Vashoya Shashikulas Kol Mishparto. That was he remained from his family, from the show that destroyed his entire family, as I'm sure all of you know. Ishto Benehem. Hashem Yikam Demeyem, that he had his wife and 11 children were all killed in the war. So the Klosenberg Rebbe came to Mexico for two weeks. In order to help get started, I guess, with the development of a Chassidish Kehil over there, not over there, rather, but to help raise money, at that time, to build, to build Kiratsans in Atanya, which I'm sure many of you have been there. So the Rebbe came to Mexico to try to help, to raise money for the building of Kiratsans. Of course, to come to Mexico to, to raise funds and to be Mashpia Ruchnius, and to help the Jews over there. 
to Mekarv the Moor to the way of Torah and, and the Muna. Bain Hashar, Hefia Lufne Kahal Godel, Beachen Bate Knesias, So the Klosenberger Rebbe came to one of the shuls, there was a large, a large island. Ulam Godel Shechil Kelef Yudim. There was a big shul, and there were like a thousand Jews there. His Torah was just on a level of, of pilpul and drosh. His Torah was magnificent. And the Rebbe spoke. The And in the Torah, I guess it was this Shabbos, it was Parshish Yisro. So the Rebbe quoted the two Pesukim. Moshe ben his two children. So they were now coming from Midian to to go with Yisro to meet Moshe Rabbeinu. So the oldest son was Gershom. Kiyomar Gerhayisi Beretz Nachriya. And Moshe Rabbeinu named him Gershom because Gershom. Gerhayisi, I was a, I was a stranger. Be'eretz Nachria in a foreign, alien, strange land. V'shem ha'echad Eliezer, and the second son, Moshe Benu, named Eliezer, ke'elokei avi be'ezri, because the God of my father stayed with me to help me, b'yatzi leni mi'cherev paro, and he rescued, rescued me from the sword of paro. Vama. So the Rebbe said, the Klosenberger said, yeshkan shteit miyos benyin. There are two questions over here regarding this Pasuk in our parasha. There are two questions. Aleph. The Fisach Leinu HaPashit Vahihigoyen according to simple logic Hayatzarach Moshe Rabbeinu Likra Leben Harishin B'Shem Eliezer Simple logic would dictate that the first child should be named Eliezer the first thing to thank Hashem for is that he was saved from 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 the, from getting killed in Mitzrayim. He ran for his life. So that was that was the beginning. The beginning was running away, and therefore the Rebbe said, "You would think that the, that the first child would be named Eliezer, because Eliezer means Hashem saved me from Paro." And then the second child, we would imagine, the second child should have been named B'Shem Gershem, because in his new place, in Midian, he felt that he was a stranger. So that's the Seder HaSechli. Logic would have put things in such an order. First, Hashem saved me from Cherif Paro back when I was in Egypt. And over here in Midian, I'm a Ger, I'm, it's not my place. Aleph, Beis, Loma Bekriyas Hashem Gershom. Why is it that with the name Gershom, Oymer HaPosek, it says, Ki Omar? Because he said, because he said, Ger HaYisi Reis Nachriya. Bekriyas Eliezer, it doesn't say, Ki Omar. Farshim talk about that. How come it doesn't say, Ki Omar, Elokei Oviyaz, Reni Bechet? Ki Omar, because, because he said. What is that, Ed? Ki Omar. So these are the Rebbe's two questions. 
so here chiv ha Rebbe Mikloisenberg es adibur al hashoah ha'ayuma. In answering, the Rebbe spoke at length about the Holocaust. Ba'avdan shisha million Yehudim, aida hanatzim ha'gemanim yimach shaman, the murder of six million Jews by the Nazis. Ha'am hachi tarbusi b'dereinu, the most civilized, the most civilized nation in our times, ha'gemanim. They wouldn't have been able to be as successful as they were in the Holocaust. Without the help, if not say then certainly the help of the nations, Asher Europe and Europe. And also in America, the silence. Some of these goyim in Europe and in America did what they could to contribute to Hitler's effort to destroy the Jews. And uh, many more by being passive. With their silence. Which of course was understood by the Germans. Rightfully so as the consent and permission, so to speak, of the nations of the world to destroy the Jews. So the Rebbe said, this fact must be something that we learn from. We have to learn a great deal from this. For ourselves, and the generations that will come after us. Shalonu, that for us, Am B'nei Yisrael, the Jewish people, Ein Mokam Ba'olam Luchios, Hulis Kaim and Hagoyim. There is no, there is no place to live in this world, to continue and to go on in this world. Ben Hagoyim, Haroim Vatoivim. The ones who are most evil, okay, they, they participated in the, in the, uh, in the murder. Vatoivim, and the better ones, who were quietly acquiescing to the Holocaust. We have no place, we should learn from this that we have no place. Only in our holy land. That Hashem promised to give to us. The only place on earth where Jews can live levetach and be secure that it that it's their place and they could feel secure in their place is in is in Israel. In your country, that, of course, this is what they want to take away from us. Also, not only then, but now, only in your land are you able to sit. Are you able to sit levetach? You are not able to sit securely, to live securely outside. You could imagine that the, the Jews of the Holocaust in Germany, they, they were the most secure Jews in the world. They were in all kinds of government positions, and they were in universities, and so on and so forth. That's how it was. The Torah says, It's only Ba'ar 
There's no such thing as betach for Jews. There's no certainty that they're not going to turn against us. And then the Rebbe goes on and he says, I wish I could have been there to hear this, the way, because if you heard, I was this to be by him a number of times. My father used to take me. I didn't understand what he was talking about, but it really didn't make a difference to watch him or something. That we can't continue living among the Goyim. To build up, to build, to build for them, Pissam and Ramses. That we give everything of our lives to build, to build their cities and their countries, their civilizations, their economies and so on. All kinds of magnificent buildings and palaces. And in our minds, in our minds, liatze b'shvilam, or probably means b'macheseinu means it probably means with the marrow of our uh, with the, the marrow of our bones. I think that's probably what it means. Liatze b'shvilam to pour all of our koiches into building for them, into creating for them. And nevertheless, we will always be strangers in their eyes. We'll always be foreigners. We'll always be. Um, we'll always be people who are. Who, who don't belong. Who are trespassing. And slowly, slowly, history has shown that it always reaches the point that we that we were brought to that happened to us when we were in Europe. Hashem Yerachim. Anachnu nitzayli hashoah b'chazde Hashem. We who are the survivors b'chazde Hashem of the Holocaust. B'chol achinu b'chol makim shahim and all of our brothers wherever they are. Chayifah aleinu lulamaydes alekach hazeh. We are obligated to learn the lessons from the Holocaust. This lesson. La zayiv artsayis in medinas agoyim. To leave the countries and the places of the goyim. No one would say that the Klosenberger was a, a, a Zionist. Wow. To go up and to live in Israel. To live our own lives. In our land. To plant. And to build. To use our strength and our minds for our own sake, for ourselves, not for the Goyim. So we should be able to serve Hashem with fear and with love. Chaim Yehudim, Jewish life, Shleimim, full Jewish life. says, if we do this, in other words, if we learn this lesson, then we have to give thanks to Hashem. That Hashem saved us from the sword of the nations that hate us. From the great furnace, the crematorium, the furnace of the world. 
In other words, if we if we leave and we go to Yisrael, then he said we we need then we will give thanks to Hashem that He saved us from the Goyim, our enemies. And then it will be Kedai to thank Hashem that He rescued us from the Holocaust. But if we don't learn this lesson, then then what did we gain? What benefit? What did we gain from all of our suffering, from all that happened to us? And then why did God leave us alive? Why, did, why were we saved? Why did we remain alive? What, just to continue living among the Goyim? Again, the whole thing over again. The Rebbe said, I ask myself, Why did I remain alive? That I should remain alive for more and more years. Eat more potatoes and bread. He was making fun of his own tish, and you understand, have a tish. But uh, he means the kugel and the chala. That's why I remained alive. That's why God kept me alive. My wife and 11 children were killed, and I was kept alive to eat more kugel and, and more kichreis lechem and more bread. and other delicacies. That's not called being rescued. Kugel and, and, and chal, that's not called being rescued. So let's go back to Maishu Rabbeinu. Tower Parsha. Try to say this over to at home over Shabbos. Nachsel Maishu Rabbeinu. Kishabarach mi paro. Maishu Rabbeinu ran away from the from the SS of that time from Paro. Shiratzalo Hargo, who wanted to kill him. Vigila Midian, and he came to Midian. She came to America. Moshe Rabbeinu came to America. Right, he came to Midian, the Golden Land. He started a new life. He married a wonderful girl. Pochad Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu was afraid. Shema Habonim that he was afraid that his children, Nech de Yisrael, Kain Midian, who were the Eniklach, who were the grandchildren of Yisrael, Kain Midian, Yitu, they might make the terrible mistake, Lachshavis Eretz Midian La'artsam. The Zaydi lives in Midian. Not only did he live in Midian, he was, a, he was the, the whole Reish Kolbner Goyla over there in Midian. He was the, he was the big person there. So the grandfather, the grandfather is in the White House over there in Midian, you understand? The grandfather is the president of Midian. So they might make the mistake, Lachshayv, as Eretz Midian La'aretzah. It would be very, very possible, not only possible, likely, and to some degree this did happen, that they would begin to think that Midian is where, is where they belong. That's their place. Lachshayv is Eretz Midian La'aretzah. And they are considered to be citizens with equal rights who are respected among all the other people of Midian. Yisrael was very respected over there. And they'll never want to leave Midian. 
I mean, they'll go, they'll go on trips, you know, they'll go, they'll, they'll, I guess they'll, they'll hire the best tour guides, and they'll, they'll go to what was the equivalent of the Plaza and the Laron back, back in those days. But they'll stay in Midian. Or they might even buy apartments in Eretz which they go to for three weeks a year. Below Yitzchak, this is a way to feel better, then you don't have to feel so guilty, because after all, you, you not only visit, you actually own an apartment there, you're getting ready, and so on. Below Yitzchak, and they might not ever want to leave Midian. Below Yitzchak, and Midian, Shisham Ulai Layedu, Mi Oynivachaisen. Because Midian was a prosperous place. And and the feeling was that in this place, which we're comfortable with, and this is in Midian, slash America, here we'll never know from poverty, and we'll never lack anything. We'll always have what we need in Midian. Veloshev, they won't be lacking anything. Veloshev, Eretz Avoseim, there'll be no need. They, they will feel no need to return to Eretz Avoseim, to the land of their fathers. Lachain, <coughs> therefore... Therefore, the Rabbi says that when the first child was born, when they had their first son in Chutzlaretz, in Mitzrayim, uh, I'm sorry, in Midian, he immediately gave a name to remember that this is not his place, to remember that this is Golos, and that that child should always walk around with that name, Gershom, this is not your place. This is not where, you, this is not where you're from, this is not where you belong. Ger, Vizar, a stranger. Velo Ezrach, you're not a citizen. Just because they gave you papers and you have an address, and you vote or something, they had all of that in Germany too. Gershom, so he named, so, so Moshe Benu named the first child, Gershom, Ki Amar. So what's that Ki Amar? What do you have to have that there, Ki Amar? So the Rebbe says, Bezeh hits here, because Moshe Benu wanted to proclaim, to announce, to pound it into, the, into his children's head, into that son, Ki Amar, and to everybody else that would say the name Gershom, and to himself, Ki Amar. By, name, by giving that name, Moshe Benu was saying, Ki Omar, not just when the kid was born, Ki Omar, that I want this to be heard every single minute that I'm still stuck over here, for whatever reason I have to be here, that we shouldn't forget that we should always hear, that we're strangers in this place, in a strange land that's not our place. Vizgageya, so that the child and the family should be filled always with a longing. That they'll want to go back to, to live with the Jewish people in, in their land. Only when the second child was born, Karlo Eliezer, when the second child was born, so Moshe Benu named him Eliezer. Why? Because 
to thank God for saving him from the Holocaust of Paro. Because only then will I know that it was worth being saved, being rescued. He didn't name the first child Eliezer. He named the first child Gershon. Because if I forget that this is not my place, then what was the point of being saved? If I, if I don't remember who I am and where I belong, if I don't remember why God saved me from that Holocaust, then, why, then what's the point? Why, why did he save me? That I should that I should have potatoes. I should have potatoes in challah, in Midian, in America. That's what the Rebbe is saying. So the first child is Gershom. Ki Omar, Ger Hayisi Beitz Nachriya. And only only the second son. If I live in that way, that while I'm here, doing what I have to do while I'm here, I live constantly with that thought. Ki Omar, Ger Hayisi. I'm I don't belong here. I don't belong here. This is not my place. This is an Eretz Nachria, a very friendly and wonderful Eretz Nachria here. And then, the Rebbe said, then as long as I hold on to that and we remember where we belong, then I will know that it was Kedai to be saved from power. That's the second son, Eliezer. Ki eloke ovi be'ezvi v'atsi leini mi'chera paro. But it was Kedai to be spared. In order to put into practice this idea, the Rebbe is of course talking about himself, this idea that I have, to return to the land of our fathers, our land. And then I feel that I must give thanks for being saved. But only then. If I remember why I was saved, so then I'll be I'll feel gratitude and thankful for having been saved. But Hashem didn't spare me to see my entire family wiped out, my entire kahila and and everybody that I know, everything being destroyed, so that I should be able to come to a strange place and to forget who I am, and to and to settle into this place when the whole thing is going to just repeat itself again. And there's no such thing as living levetach in a place that's not ours. Now, for something that's truly unprecedented, I want to read to you something from my phone. <laughs> okay, I rehearsed this three times. I'll tell you why I'm doing this. It didn't even come out right. Because I, I remembered, so I decided after, after, um, after I decided that I, that I would learned this Torah from the Klosenberg, which it was Kedai to get up to get up and come on the Nerev Shabbos just for this, what we just learned. But, so I wanted to remind you, most of you know this. I said this, I believe it was, I don't remember, it was in Kippur Tishabov. That, that moment when there was a, that moment when there was a turning point in the Klosenberg Rebbe's life, when he, when he actually began with the work of leaving, leaving, New York, and 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 going to Eretz Yisrael. I'm sure some of you remember that. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Slide. So I, I so I asked my wife, of course, to take care of this last night, and she looked it up on the computer because I couldn't find the book where I read it, and uh, it's in the house. I just don't know where it is. And and then 
My wife just went deep, deep, and she found it in a second on the computer. But for some, something was wrong with the printer, so I took a picture from the on the phone from the uh, from the computer. It didn't come out the whole sentence. All right, huh? Like this? It goes long. <laughs> no, now it's now it's gone. <laughs> One second. No, I know. I know. I know how to do it. Once. One second, I could do it. <laughs> oh, still that. It's just, it was cut off the way I, the way I, I, the way I took the picture. It was cut off. Okay. Now let me just tell you what this is about. There was an American rabbi who lives now in Israel for some years. He should be well. And um, he was he, he was as a as a boy, as a boy, he uh, had heard that near where he lived. Things come on in a picture. Okay, little arrows and things. As as a boy, he, um, <clears throat> he he didn't come from a religious home, and he was getting into Yiddishkeit. And they had they, he had heard that there's a big, big, big holy rabbi that 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 uh, around uh, an hour or so a walk away from where he lived, that he came. He he was a survivor, and they opened up a bismadrish. It was a close mega rabbi. He opened up this bismadrish. And and the, and he this this uh, this as a boy, this uh, this person, he he decided that he wanted to see what this was about. This is Shlomo Riskin, you know Rabbi Riskin. Yeah, yeah. So he decided that he was going to go see what this was about. He didn't understand. Oh, he did understand Yiddish. No, his parents spoke Yiddish. He understood the Yiddish. But otherwise, it was it was the first time he ever had ever been in a chesedish matters. And this part I cut off, and he was describing how he was overwhelmed by, like, the fire of the davening, never saw such a thing. And they were all shaves a plate, you know, the Jews over there were all survivors, <clears throat> the davening. And it came, it came out that it was the Teichacha, that he went there, it was before Rosh Hashanah, it was Kisava. And, of course, in Kisava, we lay, we lay the, 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 the I don't know, the, you know, the heart, psukim, the curses, the, so, then came the Torah reading, and in accordance with the custom, the Torah reader began to chant the warnings in a whisper. So I'm sure many of you know this, right? And unexpectedly, almost inaudibly, but unmistakably, the Yiddish word, Hecha, what does Hecha mean? Wow. Louder. Came from the direction of the lectern, the stander, upon which the Rebbe was leaning at the eastern wall of the shul. The Torah reader stopped reading for a moment, the congregants looked up from their tables in questioning and even mildly shocked silence. Could they have heard the Rebbe correctly? Was he ordering the Torah reader to go against the time-honored custom and chant the Tochecha out loud? How could the Rebbe call that Hecha? The custom is, it's brought down in Poskim, to read the Tochecha quiet. So the Torah reader, the Valkyrie, continued to read in a whisper. He didn't know what to do. Apparently concluding that he had not heard what he thought he had heard. That it must have been a mistake that the Rebbe said Hecha. And then the Rebbe banged on his lectern, on the stander. He didn't say quietly now. He turned to face the stunned congregation and cried out in Yiddish with a pained expression on his face and fire blazing in his eyes. 
I said, Hecher, Hecher. I said, louder. Read these verses out loud. We have nothing to be afraid. We've already experienced the curses, because we're always, we read them in the whisper, it shouldn't happen to us. So the Rebbe says, well, you have to whisper. There's nothing to whisper. We've already experienced all the curses. Let the master of the universe hear them. Let him know that the curses have already befallen us. And let him know that it's time for him to send us all the blessings. I mean, can you imagine being in the shul, such a thing? The Rebbe turned back to the wall, and the Torah reader, the Balkari, continued slowly reading the Torah out loud. So he read it out loud. He read the curses, the Torah out loud. So Riskin says, I was trembling, with tears cruising down my cheeks, my body bathed in sweat. I had heard that the Rebbe lost his wife and 11 children in the Holocaust, but he had refused to sit shiva for them because he could not spare a moment for the task of trying to save Jewish lives by enabling them to leave Europe. My father's always on time, remembers that. He, he, he was there. He saw what the Rebbe was. The Rebbe was going all over. He came to America, went back with things, with clothing. Went back, he went to, he went to England to get Tfilin and Lovemus, right? And then he went back. He didn't sit shiva. He himself refused a visa for America until the majority had been saved, of those who remained had been saved. His words seared into my heart. I could hardly concentrate on the conclusion of the Torah reading. He kept on thinking, it's time for him, what the Rebbe said, it's time for him, for Hashem, to send the blessings. After Musaf ended, the Rebbe rose to speak. His words can't see at this time his words were shortened to the point but this time his eyes were warm with love leaving an, an indelible impression upon my mind and soul and this is what the Rebbe said my beloved brothers and sisters he said <clears throat> pack up your belongings We must make one more move, hopefully the last one. You know, one of the things about all the survivors is, is all of those years of running. It's unbelievable. I was at a shiva like yesterday, my wife and I, and the person's mother had sitting shiva for his mother and was telling us about like his parents' journey, yeah. and how many places, and running, and coming, and going, and back and forth. And so the Rebbe saying, we must make one more move, because it's hard for these people to move, you know that. I mentioned last week, and Baruch Hashem, my parents, uh, this, mo- this coming Monday, it's funny, they, my parents are moving to be with my, to be closer, to be with my sister in Farakwa. And I can't tell you the difficulty of what that's been for my parents to move. It's just unbelievable. First, first my, my, they refused, they couldn't go anywhere, they're not going to go anywhere. We tried for years to find them to get them a place, and this kind, my mother said, only there's a doorman. So, okay, so that was a new thing, we never heard of that. So my, so my sister found something with a doorman. Then my mother passed the place up with a doorman, it's not good. And then there were other things and possibilities, everything is possible, everything is possible. So finally, my sister and I realized that this is not going to happen unless, unless it's going to be 
mamish in their house. So, but they're not going to live in the house. So my sister built an built an extension, which is Baruch Hashem finished now, in Farakoy. And then, then, uh, then uh, this was all ready. And then my father announced, "No, no, we're not going." <laughs> after, after the, I said, "Daddy, you know, the whole year, my sisters, the whole year, they're hacking and clocking over there. The place is filthy, knocking down all the walls, and so it's unbelievable mess. What's happening there? You know." So I said, "Like it, it's, uh, it's, 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 you know, it's Yosha to me, to, to her, not to, to now say no." My father said. It's good here. We'll visit there a little bit. <laughs> so this was a this was already now uh, a whole work for months. Uh, what to do about that? That uh, about now not going. We're not going. It's, my father says it's good. I, I I like it here, and it's good. And the minion is across the street. So he said the minion is also there across the street. And uh, my sister lives mamish across the street from Rabbi Katz, and 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 it'll go and it'll be good. I says, no, it's, I, I know everything here. And this is like my mother, so I was going along the same thing. And you know, we didn't know what to do. So finally, tremendous, tremendous Ishtadlis. So finally, uh, began, and then, and then began the, uh, to, to move and uh, to get things ready. And it was very, very sad. So then, uh, different paintings and different things. And then my father said, I don't want to stay here anymore. But I, I want to leave right away. But then we said that Daddy's not yet 100% ready over there. My father said, I don't want to be here anymore. We'll go now. And I said to my wife, that, like this Indian of these Jews moving, it's a very, very hard thing. And then I understood what my father was saying, so I said, Daddy, I said to my father, this is a conversation I had just a short time ago, I said, but Daddy, it's, uh, you, you love the house, you know, Queens. It's, it's, it's okay. It's getting ready. You'll be ready in Farakway. We just need some final things, that something to connect with the heat. But I, things need to get done, just a few things. <clears throat> so my father said, we already took down all, all the things from the house, and, and, it's, and things are in boxes. I don't like it here now. I don't want to stay here. And I said to my wife, he said, we, we don't understand this, what that is, to not to be in a place, not to be in your place. It's a, it was my father, and it wasn't like this was the Cheshwar. He didn't say anything about, like, I have bad memories. He didn't say a word about that, anything about that happened. He just said, I, I, I don't want to stay here anymore. I don't like it here anymore. I don't like it here anymore. That's what he said. We have to leave here. So then it was to, to be Mechazik then to stay a little bit more, and the grandchildren taking turns, going, and whatever. It's hard. So he says, Therabi said, pack up your belongings. You must make one more move. Hopefully the last one. God promises that the blessings which must follow the, which must follow the curses will now come. They will come, but not from America. The blessings will only come from Israel. The time has come for us to go home. And so Kiryat Sanz Klosenberg was established in Netanya. That was the that was the beginning. And the baby said that, then he started to work on Kiryat Sanz. Netanya had a hospital and everything. Mm-hmm. But the baby built a Torah center as well as Netanya had a medical center. And as an impressionable twelve-year-old boy, received his first and most profound lesson 
in modern Zionism. <laughs> from, from the Klausenberg Rebbe, a lesson in modern Zionism. We think they were bigger Zionists than the, than the Klausenberg Rebbe. Because you think that to be a Zionist means to put up a, fl- a flag in your window and to go to the parade and, and to say Shabbat instead of Shabbos. That makes you into a lover of righteous soul. Now, all you have to do is to say Shabbat and Sukkot, and it means that you're, that you're an Ezra Zeldika person, because you say Sukkot. And the Klausen Rabbi said Sikkis. He didn't even say Sukkis. He said Sikkis. <laughs> what makes a person into a Zionist, Bemis into a Zionist, is the Tzipiyah, that even if one can't right now, but to call up Pachis, to feel what, to try to taste a little bit of that name Gershom. Kiger Hayisi Bad And that's why I was, the, the way that I was raised was my, my father was, my mother, they were never happy about these kind of things like right now, where everybody's, everybody's so excited because Jared Kushner's over there, and the Ivanka's over there, and the Yidin, uh, uh, my my parents are never happy about these things, ever. This is all... This is like more Heimish over here. And to, and, to, and to those Jews, it means that that's only going to be more dangerous. Now it's something bad is going to happen. The more Heimish we become and the more we think that with the Balabatim over here, you hear the way Jews talk and the way Jews act. And, and the way we conduct ourselves vis-a-vis the government and so on and so forth without going into protein. Kidu, we became Balabatim over here. All kinds of things in business and taking liberties, dishonesty, and so on and so forth without saying things that are not good. Everybody knows on his own the busyness uh, that, 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 that are going on. To build another, to build another place for ourselves over here, and to, and to lie, and to cheat, and to steal, to make our, our lives more comfortable here, so that we could build bigger palaces, and to stay further, to stay for longer and longer in a place that's not ours. Ki Omar. This word, Ki Omar. That Moshe was always saying that we, the Jews should always say, Ger Hayisi Jews have to live that way with always saying those words and thinking in our minds. It doesn't mean you can't fix up your kitchen. It doesn't mean you can't uh, you can't plant your trees and do stuff. But we have to be careful not to forget. And we and we can't become complacent about this. Like it says in Noah, that for the sake of your slime I won't be silent. And a Jew has to feel within himself that for the sake of Yishlam I won't be silent. And not to delude ourselves. That's why I, I don't mean to be cynical. Cynicism is not a good midah. I don't mean to be cynical, but that it's very easy for us to placate ourselves with our trips and our apartments and so on. And all of the little like things that we do. But the Lemaise, that's not that's not it still can never be because it's not Artsachem here. It's not Artsachem. It's not our place. 
It's not our place. We should be zayicha that this time when we leave, it won't chaspachalila be the way that that our parents and grandparents left. It shouldn't be that way. It should be in the way of who yalechena We should be zayicha to return up straight, not broken and bent over backwards, being beaten and being being burned and gassed. But we should be able to walk up and not just as a Sheris HaPleita with a couple of remaining Jews, but with every single one of us, every single Jew, healthy and strong to return with the blessing of Amitish Mahim Yemen Amen.